All right, it's time. Let's get this show on the road. I'm feeling it. It's a big week. Let's make it happen. Listening to the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show. Hosted by Brandon Davenport, aka it's Brandon D. Okay. Here we go. It's Wednesday. It's the Hashgraph Enthusiast News. I'm digging it. Last show of the year. Last show of 2023. It's so good to uh, share it with everybody live on X Spaces and then everyone listening to the recording and everything like that. We got a lot to talk about today, too. Um, We're going to be talking about, like, just reflecting back on, you know, 2023. A lot's happened. Um, a bit of an interesting narrative out there about other networks experiencing like congestions and issues with fees and kind of how that ties into Hedera. Lots of like rumors and stuff with ETFs. And then as people know, Hedera has like a new president now, uh, Charles. He's had an interesting first week. We'll talk about that. Um, gaming breadcrumbs. You know, the H, the Hedera token service crypto market. It's like its own little market. It's very interesting. Um, Wallet Connect updates. I think a lot of people are excited about Wallet Connect. We'll talk about that. Um, and then Masari Crypto published their like 2024 crypto thesis. So that'll be interesting. And then we're just going to look ahead into the next year. Kind of what's on people's minds. What's going on. All that good stuff. Uh, should be a good one. Um And I'm excited too, because with the show, you know, I'm going to be kind of changing a couple things. I usually kind of do the, uh, you know, the script read at the beginning, kind of starting the show. So I think this might be the last time I do this. So um, before I kind of rework the intro, but one last time. And with that, hello from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, aka it's Brandon D. It is Wednesday, December 20th. And you're listening to episode 106 of the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show. All roads lead to Hedera. This is a weekly news show where we cover the top 10 stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Listen live on X Spaces every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Also, catch the Hashgraph Enthusiast interview episodes. Um, had one that really recently with uh, the CEO of um, Takeon that was really, really fascinating, uh, Dave um, very fascinating. I think that was episode 104, I believe. Go listen to it. It's great. It's kind of like the future of file storage, uh, for web three. Um, get all the info you need about the show at it's brandond.com slash H bar. And for people listening live right now, check the post pin to the top. It's got the list of the stories we're going to be talking about. Take a moment to share the spaces. Um, you know, and if you got some news people should know about, there's a little button at the bottom right of the space is like a little comment button. Click that, leave a comment. Let me know if there's something I should mention on the show. And for everyone listening on podcast platforms, you know, leave a comment, break down your thoughts, 
let me know what your thoughts are, what we talk about today. Let's keep the conversation going. Um, right off the bat, um, really big shout out to the community. I got, I was on a, uh, I was on a, a live spaces last week. It was a, um, community, uh, you know, uh, holiday party hosted by, um, hello future buzz. There was like a charity auction. It was really, really cool. Um, and a lot of cool people were there. Uh, I think, um, Christian Hasker was there, Zenobia was there from Hedera, and then a bunch of like really, uh, you know, awesome community members, good panel. Um, and I was up there and, uh, you know, I, I, I really love going to these spaces and I, and I love to support everybody and I get up there and, uh, Christian Hasker starts reading a poem and it turns out I got this award. It's like the, the, uh, H barbarian of the year award. I'm being mailed a little, um, like a, uh, like this crystal thing or something. Anyways, it's like this community award thing. It, it, it was really meaningful. It was awesome. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone that, uh, you know, put that together. I think a lot of, um, a lot of money was raised for good cause. People donated NFTs. Um, so I think that was awesome, but huge shout out to the community that it was like, I was totally surprised. I had no idea it was happening and I showed up and it was like, it was crazy. I posted a clip of it, but, um, you know, it really meant a lot. Um, also too, Hedera updated the mainnet to version 0.44. Um, so there's a bunch of updates, right? Mainnet is what everything runs on. Um, so that's important to know. One of the funnest elements of that update was there's new ASCII art that was included, which is kind of like text art. So if you were to, you know, boot up um, a Hedera node or an AppNet or something like that in your terminal, you'll see some kind of text-based artwork. They updated that. I thought that was funny. Also, too, there's this um, AI news channel I've been seeing that's purportedly like leveraging Hedera in some way. I don't know if it is. It's hard to determine. There was a post on LinkedIn from someone from the HBAR uh, Association, or sorry, the, the Hashgraph Association. I think it's one of those things where people are like, hey, this would be a good use case for an AI news network, but it wasn't really... I think the initial impression was that it is using Hedera, but that's not really clear. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking into it a bit more. I don't, I, it's called like channel one or something. Um, but yeah, initially I, just the way people were talking about it, I was like, Oh, this is a, you know, obviously yeah, perfect use case, you know, being able to, um, tokenize and record, have provenance of, you know, decisions that an IA, an AI makes or, um, certain materials or this and that, because if you're going to have an AI news network, you have to be able to kind of uh, track that, you know, um, layer of, of, uh, you know, trust and everything like that. But there really isn't anything to kind of say it's using Hedera. So perfect use case, really exciting, not really clear whether it's using Hedera or not. Um, also there was a, uh, a po I, one thing I've, I've been noticing, and I guess maybe we'll, what we'll do is we'll talk about this in a bit. It's just, I can't help but mention that a big theme of this episode is just um, some really exciting things 
that are happening in the ecosystem on all fronts. Like you can look at the charts for sure. But I think that just the posture of a lot of key people has changed in a good way. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that. Um, some other kind of random news items was like, uh, there was a big vulnerability with ledger, the, uh, hardware cold wallets and not with the wallets themselves, but with certain smart contracts. Um, if you were using your, a certain library, basically a tool set to sign those transactions, you could be at risk of, you know, losing funds and stuff. I think that the exploit caused like, I don't know. I think Ledger was saying it was like $600,000 or something was lost. Um, so, you know, not the end of the world, but a big deal. Um, the clarification was kind of people on Hedera and in general were like, oh, our Ledger is safe. And I know that Ledger has had a few things happen with them that has led a lot of people to kind of say, hey, maybe they're not as secure as we think. I think in general, you know, Ledger, you know, cold wallets are pretty secure. I use one myself. And I think that the exploit was largely smart contract based with particular contracts. Um, so really on Hedera, um, lar- like there really wasn't any any risk factor. It's just kind of crazy to see, you know, a hardware wallet have something like that happen to it. Um, but it's exciting because, you know, as um, some of these hardware wallet companies are having issues we also have, you know, Citadel wallet on in the Hedera ecosystem. It's a new, it's going to be a new hardware wallet um, that is designed specifically for Hedera. Like it, so it's there. I think that there's a lot of innovation about to happen in the hardware wallet space. Um, but I think leading up to that, uh, we're going to, there's going to be quite a bit of, you know, <laughs> struggle clearly. Um, uh, also, too, like there was a, a platform called Yearn Finance. They accidentally swapped uh, $2 million of their treasury into $780,000. It was like an accidental swap they did, which was insane. Uh, I won't dive into it, but just if you're curious, check it out. Yearn Finance, <laughs> what happened with them? It's kind of wild, like just an accidental swap of their entire treasury. Um, El Salvador passes legis- legislation for Bitcoin-backed bonds just kind of feeding into that narrative of, you know, a lot of, you know, financial institutions and governments really kind of taking Bitcoin more seriously. Um, There's a crypto app, ShakePay. Um, They had a data breach. So just if you're using ShakePay, keep an eye out for that. FTX, still in the headlines, um, have been for a long time. For those out of the loop, it was an exchange that kind of, you know, a lot of people went to prison. It failed, uh, you know, declared bankruptcy there's you know they're trying to figure it out um so they're filing for a reorganization plan to end the bankruptcy but at the same time the irs is claiming that ftx owes 24 billion dollars in unpaid taxes (laughs) so we're gonna have to see how that plays out and also coinbase is suing the sec for denying transparent crypto regulation alleging arbitrary decision and apa violation i think a lot of people have been seeing this in the headlines Um, you know, the SEC um, and Coinbase and then, you know, some of the different policy things with Elizabeth Warren and and all sorts of stuff like that. And the Coinbase thing is interesting because um, an APA violation refers to a breach of the Administrative Procedure Act, APA, 
um, a law that governs the process by which federal agencies in the United States develop and issue regulations. In the context of the SEC and Coinbase lawsuit, Coinbase has accused the SEC of violating APA by failing to engage in rulemaking and instead pursuing regulation through enforcement actions. So it's this com. there's like this common, uh, it feels like a wheel spinning of like, um, there are no specific rules that should be followed. And the SEC is saying, hey, you know, follow these rules, but they aren't really that well defined. So it's a continuous struggle. Um, but I think Coinbase frames it well, you know, there's 48 million people in the US using crypto. Um, and it's not like we're waiting for you know, crypto to be used at a, at a big scale or used for important things. It, it's just kind of already is. Um, and largely some of this resistance in the government is, you know, backed by banks. And so we just have to kind of see how things play out. Uh, but it's been really interesting. Uh, another, just kind of flipping over to the Hedera side, something else that was kind of cool um, <laughs> was this clip uh, from, from Mance Harmon. And it was like, uh, I'll try to pipe it in here to the spaces, but um, Mance tweets out, quote, this is where it all started. The very first pitch of Hashgraph to anyone before it was called Hashgraph, Lehman and I called it Hashdag, standing for, you know, DAG is uh, direct acrylic graph. Many thanks to, uh, who's this person? Andre for sending this clip. This is from summer 2015. Uh, this is what Mance said. What I'm looking at, what am I looking at? What you're looking at is the holy grail of distributed consensus. Tell me what I'm looking at, what am I looking at? <laughs> so, so what you're looking at is- <laughs> It's this clip of Mance holding like a Coca-Cola in front of this TV. <laughs> and he's like, you're looking at the holy grail of consensus. And like looking back, like at that time, if you're, if you're with that guy, you'd be like, this guy's nuts. But it's clear. I mean, here we are now. So, I mean, if that's not vision. I don't know what is. Um, also, too, a quick shout out to developers on Hedera. There's something interesting happening. Um, there is a uh, electric capital developer report, which is an annual analysis showcasing activity with open source Web3 ecosystems. Basically, um, Hedera has a tweet out. A few other people have a tweet out. Um, there's some details on GitHub, but basically, if you want to be included in that report um, and kind of be a part of the essentially the statistic of how you know much development is happening on the network, have your projects highlighted, go check it out. Um, I think it's just a little config you have to make to your your app, or or it's a, a request you a pull request you put it on GitHub to get the you know their their file updated or whatever. Anyways, go check it out. It's important. Electric Capital, Hedera. Um, our first story, big story uh, that I want to dive into is just kind of reflecting on 2023. There's been quite a few, um, you know, projects, funds, organizations in the Hedera ecosystem kind of publishing these retrospectives, um, these kind of looks back on the year. Uh, and there's some really interesting kind of things, especially from this HBAR Foundation article that was published that had some some interesting uh, items in it. Um, and I know that the HBAR Foundation has been a topic of, of discussion because people are very curious kind of what's happened, how was the money spent, what were the results. Um, so 
let's just, let's dive into that first. Um, in the article, I'm just going to read a couple excerpts, kind of pieces that I pulled from it that are interesting. First piece is, quote, in 2022, one of our most meaningful lessons uh, was that support goes beyond just funding. This year, the importance of post-grant support was paramount. So basically saying you can't just give a project money. You have to, um, you know, kind of incubate it a little bit. You have to give them uh, expertise, support, whether it be marketing, you know, finance, legal, whatever it is. Um, so seems obvious, but I guess in practice, especially knowing that the foundation started uh, really hitting the ground running and not really get, being able to get prepared in time, um, it's it's about constant um, iteration, you know. Another thing was, quote, we remain convinced that our four funds, crypto economy, fintech and payments, consumer engagement, and sustainable impact remain the right focus areas for our work. So, you know, I think it's a good strategy. Uh, as we've known, the foundation has kind of changed those funds quite a bit. I mean, I think they started with six. I can't remember, but they've changed them quite a bit. And it's good to kind of see they've found something that works, a funding structure that works. So the next is, quote, the consumer engagement strategy is to present the Hedera network as an ecosystem as a service, allowing for brands to find the infrastructure and partners required to capture the new demographic of digital natives now demanding a, quote, owner economy. And this is interesting. Um, ecosystem as a service. Basically, what they're saying is kind of, you know, the Hedera ecosystem, you know, it has wallets, it has DEXs, it has different tooling, um, it has different supports, it has all these things. And the foundation being able to frame the network as, you know, an ecosystem as a service. If you were to look at, let's say, a startup outside of Web3 or an enterprise or something like that, it's kind of appealing, you know. And I think that ecosystem as a service is something that um, other networks have, you know, used in the past, um, kind of that framing. But, you know, I think it works. It, it, it's some, there's something to be said there, too, that to be recognized is a lot of those projects in this kind of ecosystem, um, I think a lot needs to be said that, you know, this ecosystem has done a whole lot with, with very little, especially in a bull market. So um, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, next, you know, the foundation received 575 leads around half of what we received last year. This drop in applications was expected given the market conditions across Web3 as a whole. So, um, and, and this is important. I mean, the, the HBAR Foundation is, is really tasked with and responsible for the growth of the network, right? Um, that's their job. That has been their job, and that's going to be their job in the next year. So knowing that the bear market had an impact like that um, is important to note um, continuing this year, we committed 16 million in additional funding across 68 grants down from 195 grants last year. This deliberate reduction was a byproduct of the maturing strategy and the need to focus on nurturing existing grants. Naturally, the ticket sizes for grants came down as well in line with the market. So basically, again, the bear market squeezes everybody, including the foundation. Um, I remember the headline came out when the foundation was given the 10 billion um, H bar, uh, for their fund. And the headline was basically, it is, it, you know, the, the H bar foundation was the biggest, um, startup fund in the world 
or in technology with five billion dollars. This is I remember this is when um, H bar was at you know forty fifty cents. So it must it must have been really difficult over the last year and a half or so to go from you know effectively you know a five billion dollar fund on paper to much much less than that. So um, definitely difficult times to navigate. But as we've seen with you know the recent price action in H bar, that narrative may change. Um, Another interesting thing was in 2023 alone, 106 products, services, and use cases went live. However, it's important to note that a large portion of the foundation's funding, namely in areas such as infrastructure and growth initiatives, would fall outside the definition of live mainnet projects. So basically, not all of the work that um, they've done and the results they've seen are kind of refl- you know impacting the numbers on the mainnet, which again makes it hard to measure the value of the impact their fund has, but there's a little more on that in a minute. Um, The network grew to over 4 million accounts. Just this year, 2.7 million accounts were created on mainnet. This is a 195% increase compared to last year's account growth. So that's big stuff. I mean, um, it's, it's, you know, it's important to note that I think a lot of these accounts um, that were created over this year, um, weren't necessarily um, active accounts. Um, I think that there's, you know, some projects out there um, that inflate numbers. um, And that's just natural. That's, you know, that's what any business does. For example, in the music industry, um, you'll have people that buy Twitter followers or um, if anyone's familiar, you go to the movie theater and you get a, you know, a a cup um, with a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a pop artist on it with a QR code to claim an album that goes to a record sale. Or um, if an artist comes out with a new record, the record company might go to Walmart and buy all the first copies to boost sales. It's like sometimes, you know, when you're starting out, there's a little bit of that. So you do want to keep that in mind. I think there are more meaningful metrics, better proxies to success than just the number of accounts. But on the surface, Obviously, really, really good to see that. Um, Just two last things here from the HBAR Foundation article was the ability to track and analyze revenue is one of our most important data strategies. This year, the network generated over $3.5 million in revenue, achieving a 10x year-over-year growth. In fact, 2023 revenue is five times that of all previous years combined while HCS generated 99.7% of transaction volume, it only accounted for 86.4% of network revenue. And that's really the most interesting takeaway. And I think we've spoken about this on the show before, but a lot of people, you know, forget that not every transaction on Hedera is equal. um, And there are other transaction types that generate a lot more revenue. And it's one, you know, TVL is one metric. I think that a lot of people judge a network on. Um, obviously in Hedera, um, and, and again, TVL being total, uh, total um, value locked. And a metric I think a lot of people judge Hedera on, especially people in this ecosystem, is um, transactions per second, right? But I think that um, what's important to keep in mind is like, I think that going into this year, one of the most things to pay attention, most important things to pay attention to is the amount of revenue generated by the network. Um, and knowing that that's increased, you know, 10x, year over year. It's pretty amazing. Um, just even looking at Hedera as a startup, 
you know, a billion dollar unicorn. It's not bad. Um, so this is the this is kind of the biggest thing, the last thing and the biggest thing from the HBAR Foundation report that I think is going to be most important for people um, to really pay attention to going into the new year that should be coming down the pike is Project Insight. And again, this is really, really important because the foundation is, again, tasked with growing the network. They're really the, kind of the tip of the spear when it comes to that. And a big issue that the communities had with the HBAR Foundation is the lack of insight into how decisions are made, where money goes, what's the results of those investments, what are what are kind of, again, what are those proxies to, to understanding success, right? It's really hard um, to look at the Hedera network and go, okay, we want to see the network grow, right? But there, it, there isn't uh, there isn't like a mechanism you can measure or track that shows you how much things grow. You need all these different proxies, right? You need things like um, what are the TPS again, right? What are the revenue? What are the new number of projects? These different types of things. And this information, I think, is if you look hard enough and you spend enough time, you can find some of it. But a lot of it, too, is things that haven't made it to the main net yet are things that um, don't offer that public data and information. And so I think that um, the foundation has said time and time again, you know, that they have this information, um, but we just don't. But in this article, in this retrospective from the HBAR Foundation, they talk about Project Insight that's coming. So Project Insight, as described, is a comprehensive analytics platform developed by the HBAR Foundation. It focuses on offering detailed data-driven insights to support decision-making processes. The platform provides in-depth analytics to evaluate the performance and impact of various projects and initiatives. This tool is designed to enhance the effectiveness of the Foundation's efforts by leveraging data for strategic planning and execution. Um, so it appears there's going to be um, average daily TP. So if you think about like if you're familiar with Google Analytics, right, and you look at a dashboard like that, um, you've got all kinds of different charts and graphs. It, it's very similar to if you were to use, you know, Metrica, right, when you're looking at the network statistics. Um, this includes a bit more information. So some of the information that will be included in Project Insight is um, the average daily transactions per second, the number of active grants, revenue generating grants, Active users by service, which I think is most important. Um, network revenue by service. Transactions by service. Accounts and TPS. So a lot of different data surfaced and providing you these different kind of KPIs and proxies to kind of understand exactly what's going on. And I think there's also going to be some filtering functions. So you can filter by, you know, by service or by fund or by date or a specific grantee. So someone who's gotten a grant from the foundation. So actually being able to see, you know, what the performance of these projects are, what revenue they're generating, all these different types of things. Um, not clear to me how, it, I, I'm assuming this is going to be a public data stream or dashboard or, or app that the community can kind of look at potentially. Um, I don't know if that was mentioned specifically in the article. I didn't, I, it, it wasn't kind of flashing in my face that it would be a public thing. Clearly this is some, this is a tool they need internally for some of their, uh, you know, data driven decision-making. Um, but I hope that, um, you know, this is a, uh, 
tool that the community can take a look at and dive into. Um, and they shared some KPIs too, uh, some key performance indicators. Uh, they mentioned that the network, and, and they set some targets too. This was very interesting. In August of 2021, the foundation set um, targets for what they'd expect um, in 18 months. So August, 2021, you know, so that's, you know, a little over a year. Um, so you could say, you know, spring, you know, 2023 or something like that, but it shows kind of where they start, what their goals were and kind of where we're at. So one thing was they wanted to have a top, they wanted HBAR to be a top 25 token. Obviously right now, um, we're at 29, I think, or 30, we kind of hover between 33 and like 27 right now. So not quite there. They were also saying average daily TPS would be 750. So in 2023, the average is 980. So that's good. Um, total transactions, they put it at 5 billion, right? As we all know, we're at about 35 billion. I think we just hit 35 billion today. Um, so clearly, you know, again, overshot that good stuff to see. Uh, 5 million accounts. Um, we're at four. So obviously a little short on that. Um, and a few other things, but it's, it's nice to see kind of some of those goals, kind of where we're at. Um, and I think overall the takeaway from the H bar foundation article is two things is, um, overall, right. Cumulatively, when you just look at growth of the network, um, in 2021 versus now, um, we're there. Like we've hit the marks and like holistically, right? Hedera has grown, I think at a rate that people have expected. Um, and I think that, you know, the bear market or this or that, you know, I think that Hedera, I don't think has kind of blown minds, you know, but of course there are certain aspects of that growth that kind of fell short, but there are other aspects of that growth that far, exceeded expectations, right? Of course, TPS. So I think overall, really good stuff. Now, the other takeaway is, um, you know, things are just different. Like that's one common thing with this retrospective from the HBAR Foundation is, um, you know, there's a lot of pivots that have had to happen. There's a lot of changes that have had to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, you have to be able to make those changes. You have to be able to change your mind. You have to be able to, you know, flip pathways. So I think that it also, it's clear that looking backwards, lots of stuff did not end up the way that you thought for better or for worse. And so that's a lesson moving forward is we can probably guarantee that going forward, um, a lot of stuff is not going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen again from a network growth perspective. So um, that was interesting. Also, and again, um, huge shout out to the HBAR Foundation. I think that um, it's so important to have that kind of grant giving body uh, be separate from Hedera. Um, I think that overall they've done a, an awesome job. Uh, I think that you know, rightfully so as again, as I said, as the tip of the spear for growth of the network, um, they've come under a lot of, um, criticism, you know, from myself included. Um, uh, but I think that just comes with the territory, right? If you're going to be really, uh, 
at the head of driving that growth, you're going to come up a lot against a lot of headwinds. And what I will say is um, kind of seeing this retrospective, um, I think Elaine Song wrote this article and kind of seeing how they've digested it um, and been introspective themselves. Um, it's good to see. I think overall they've done a great job. Um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but I, I don't think it's, it's possible to not have room for improvement. You know what I mean? Um, so huge shout out to the team. And I, and I work with folks from the H bar foundation from time to time on different things. And I know people there and stuff and, and it's great people. Um, and I don't think, um, the, you know, the criticism that they come under is due to like really anybody. It's just the nature of, a, you know, obviously people are frustrated in a bear market. It's just difficult times. People are spread thin. Um, and I think that really what I've seen is, um, a foundation that's managed to kind of make it to the other side, not only surviving, right, but actually growing this network, um, uh, beyond expectations, so I think it's enough, right? I think that we can all agree that they they've they they've done a they've done their job, they've done a decent job. And when you compare that to other areas of Web three, um, that's pretty amazing. So that's my thoughts on that. Shout out to the H Bar Foundation, folks. Love you guys. Um, Dovu also shared a little bit of a retrospective. I'm not going to go into it too much. I talk about Dovu a lot really exciting project. Um, but they shared a cool article. I'll make sure it's, uh, you know, linked on it's brandond.com slash H bar and the show notes and stuff. But they talk about what happened, you know, over the years. So like in January, you know, they collaborated with Hedera Davos in February, they integrated with timeless in March. Uh, they did the Paris blockchain week, um, in April, uh, they did product launches. They set standards in May and June. They launched their black hole project. So basically um, a way to kind of like, you know, throw assets on the Hedera network and kind of effectively burn them through a smart contract. Very fascinating stuff. July, they had some partnerships. August, they migrated their token. If people remember that um, a couple months ago, Dove, the Dove token changed to the Dovu token. Um, and the Dove token obviously was an ERC 20 token and the, the Dovu token now is, uh, you know, straight through, um, HTS native Hedera token. So, and, and that was huge, right? That was a really, really, really big, um, change for that project. It's so difficult to do a token migration like that. Um, I think that that is something that, you know, if, if I were to be asked, you know, what are my, you know, top 10, you know, stories from 2023, you know, the, uh, Dovu token migration would be there just because it was like community led. They, right. It wasn't something they decided to do. It was a vote they put out. People voted on the Dow platform and then they executed it. And it was very creative in how they did it from a technical standpoint. There's a lot to explore with that. I'd encourage anybody um, if you're curious from a technical standpoint or just from a community governance standpoint, how to kind of run a project, um, that's something to kind of look at like as a case study. So check that out. September, um, they, you know, they, they published a bunch of different things. Um, October, they uh, enhanced their marketplace. They really folded in some more AI stuff. Um, November, December, 
they really kind of set forward what their product roadmap looks like. Um, and it's, and effectively, you know, it's this Dovu OS stuff. Um, it's basically, we talk about the guardian a lot, right. And the guardian ecosystem on Hedera a lot, right. The guardian is this kind of tech stack, this collection of workflows and standards, um, that was, um, highlighted at COP 28, but the guardian is really kind of the gold standard in how you can tokenize, um, carbon offset credits. And as, and as we've talked about on the show, and as we know, um, carbon offsets as they exist right now in the real world, um, are, you know, garbage, uh, they're low quality and there isn't enough high quality credits for companies to purchase that are, that need to purchase those. And the reason they're low quality is because, um, the markets are opaque, right? Which means you can't see inside them and the ways in which they're tracked and verified, um, also aren't done in a way that's transparent and immutable. So using something like Hedera, um, and, you know, building something like Guardian creates this whole new ecosystem um, to do those things. So that way, uh, large enterprises will finally be able to purchase enough of these high quality credits that they need. And also the other side of it, the supply side is it's so difficult and expensive and lengthy for um, a lot of ecosystem uh, like ecological projects, you know, carbon sequestering projects to issue credits, right? To create credits for their project. It's too difficult. Um, so the Guardian is an incredible piece of technology that will be the engine in which all, a lot of this, you know, multi-trillion dollar carbon offset market um, leverages on Hedera. But the issue is it's still very difficult for um, a lot of these, um, again, ecological projects to use. So Dovu is basically kind of the layer on top of that that's going to allow the supply side and the demand side to be easier to use effectively. Um, and the Dovu token will be used to pay for those services. And, and effectively, a way you can think of it is um, in, in the computer world, you've got Unix, Right. And Unix was uh, a computer platform that is used still, you know, globally um, to make computers do the things that you need them to do. But um, it, an operating system like Mac OS X is built on top of Unix that allows you as a user to do things easier, right? And faster. So you can kind of, in my mind, I kind of think of the Guardian as Unix and Dovu as kind of Mac OS X, right? Or, you know, another funnier analogy that I was throwing around was the Guardian is kind of like, um, you know, if, if we're in a world where there's a, a huge demand for apple pie, um, the Guardian is kind of like all the raw ingredients for an apple pie. Um, and then Dovu is kind of like an apple pie cooling in the windowsill. So you can't, you can't have Dovu without the Guardian, but... Dovu, I think, is that next layer, and I think is is going to be um, a, an accelerant for this carbon offset ecosystem. So, if you get a chance, go check out that article from Dovu. Kind of like, um, you know, looking back. Um, and something else that's interesting was uh, just uh, one last thing on this kind of look back, and you know, into twenty twenty three. There was a, a post on the Hedera subreddit that was, I'll just kind of read it verbatim because it's, it's, it kind of puts things in, 
things into perspective a little bit. Um, but the title of this post was, uh, quote, just so you know, use cases developed on Hedera are at a scale never seen before. Um, let's take a moment to make some remarks. Visa net handles 1,500 to 2,000 transactions per second, um, though it can scale way over that and supports up to 24,000 transactions per second if needed. During the regular 6.30 hours, uh, six and a half hours of the New York Stock Exchange session, there are 38.3 million contracts going through the network, which is roughly about six, uh, 16 to 1700 transactions per second. Uh, Carte Blue, uh, France's debit card system, averages 500 transactions per second. Swift processes 580 transactions per second. Now comes Atma's 3,000 transactions per second on Hedera. What Atma is building is nowhere near the valuation of these traditional use cases. Yet, it seems like Avery Dennison bets it is worth it. Coupon Bureau, EDF, FIS, Bank Social, The Guardian seem to think the same way. The conclusion is simple. DLTs have lower cost to barrier uh, of transactions to a point where it's possible to build use cases that are way bigger than actual infrastructures. Regular transaction use cases have in common, uh, sorry, yeah, regular transactions use cases have in common that they process transactions that bear way bigger value than Atma IO's one. So basically what they're saying is um, with that same horsepower, um, with Atma IO's 3,000 transactions per second, those don't really carry a massive payload. But if you think about Visa Network or you think about Swift or you think about the New York Stock Exchange, the value of each of those transactions might be massive. DLT could bring a transaction value in the same scope as an email is now worth. There are over 350 billion emails sent every day, which translates to 4 million every second. This is something the rest of the crypto space, focused on DeFi and traditional finance, doesn't fully understand. And this is why Hedera has a chance to shine among all value propositions out there. And that's a great point. Um, it's a great way of looking at it. You know, I think that it was, it was fascinating at the beginning of this year when Hedera was at nine transactions per second, you would look at some of these use cases, for example, like France's debit card system or Swift, the process of 500 transactions per second. And you would be like, wow, imagine if that went live on the Hedera network, but out of left field, out of nowhere, we got a supply chain use case from uh, Avery Dennison, right? At IO that's at 3000 transactions per second. So it's very interesting. It's, it's, it, uh, I, the, I appreciated that post because it kind of put things into perspective a little bit. Not only is at IO, you know, arguably the largest use case on web three period. Um, it's, it's bigger <laughs> when it comes to transactions, then, you know, the Visa network or the New York Stock Exchange potentially combined. So it's really, really fascinating stuff. Um, and you think about the amount of money it takes for Atma to run their use case, right? It runs, it takes Atma IO, um, what is it? It's like, you know, $10,000 a day or a month or something like that. Imagine how much more expensive it would be for them to do it another way. There, There's a real case to be made that the Hedera consensus service is more cost effective than a traditional database. Really, really fascinating stuff. 
Um, and then just, you know, before moving on, like just looking back on the year, I mean, just on the show, I mean, we did a hundred episodes. This is episode 106. We're going to be at episode 200 next November, which is crazy to think about. We'll get there. Um, and this year too, like we enabled, uh, for the show, you know, contributions. So I'm talking to you right now on a, on a new setup of like professional, you know, podcast, uh, broadcasting equipment purchased by the show, uh, Listeners of the show donated enough H bar to purchase a bunch of equipment. So that was crazy. And that only took, you know, a, a small part of the last year. Um, we upgraded formats. So if you go, for example, if you were to go back and listen to, you know, episode, you know, 55 or something like that, the show feels completely different now. Um, I continually try to refine the format of the show, make it, you know, better to listen to. Um, also, too, leveling up the the way that research is done. Um, a lot of work has been done in that regard, especially leveraging AI and stuff like that. I want to be able to make sure I can pack in as much information, accurate information as possible. Um, and this year, too, like the show went live on um, all sorts of podcast platforms. So like YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that type of stuff. That's been really exciting to see. Um And, you know, I think that, you know, the growth of the Hedera ecosystem has been exciting to see. Um, and yeah, just excited for the show. It's, it's blown my mind at how much the show's grown over this year. Um, and that was in a bear market, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see, um, what happens into the new year. Um, also just a quick note on that, um, while we're talking about the show, before we dive into a bunch of other stuff, the Hashgraph Enthusiast show averages about 500 listeners every week on X spaces. And hundreds more on podcast platforms. And over the years, I've covered every major Hedera news event, unpacked almost every juicy rumor, and hosted countless in-depth discussions with important figures in the Hedera ecosystem. And I've been able to broadcast all of it live with you guys. Uh, so if you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contribution, like many folks in the community have been doing. Even a few bucks add up. Um, you can send a contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Uh, fun memos are appreciated. Um, and the show's full Hedera addresses in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, all that kind of good stuff. It's up at the top too in the Jumbotron. There's a, a Hedera address if you want to support the show. A free way to support as well, leave a you know rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google and subscribe on YouTube and tickle the algorithm. It helps. I also accept tips on Galaxy as well. That's been really cool. Um, let's talk about, I think, Probably something that's on top of everyone's mind. And I think that something we've seen in the ecosystem start to blow up a little bit. And this concerns congestion, fees, and frustration. Um, this is a kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a story that tackles kind of two sides of this. There's a bummer side and then there's a positive side. The bummer side of it is, is that there's a lot of Web3 networks out there. Um, that have a lot of cool things happening on them. And they're just kind of, <laughs> they're having some problems with scaling. Um, and they're solving problems. They're, they're providing solutions to problems that maybe don't need to be solved, right? Um, and one of those off the top is regarding um, MEV attacks, right? Minimal, uh, maximum extractable value or minor extractable value. Um, and that basically is people front running trades and, and all these different types of things. And 
I've seen updates from like Uniswap and different DEXs and other networks that they have these new features and, and mechanisms to help combat that. But you look at Hedera and, you know, minimum extractable value attacks like don't happen on the network because how the network is is architected um, with the gossip uh, about gossip protocol, virtual voting, et cetera, the way that transactions come to consensus. You don't have um, a mempool. You don't have um, a risk of... MEV, it just doesn't exist on Hedera. Um, Saucer Swap put out um, a post recently about this. Um, and it's it's fascinating. Saucer Swap says, uh, and this is again in response to Uniswap Labs that says, say goodbye to front running and sandwich attacks. Uniswap X returns surplus generated by MEV back to swappers via price improvements. So again, it's it's kind of like a you know a solution to a problem that just shouldn't exist. Saucer Swap boldly uh, repost this and says quote the issues of mev maximal extractable value and front running are prevalent across many blockchains however these problems simply do not exist on the hedera network hedera's unique hashgraph consensus algorithm operating without a mempool and bypassing the conventional block structure vulnerable to bribes and toxic order flow ensures fair transaction ordering um, so it's pretty wild and Continuing, I think that even more so, there's been a big increase in fees on networks like Ethereum, um, Avalanche, Cardano, Solana. We've kind of seen these on Twitter. Um, one that stuck out to me that I shared was, uh, 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 you know, uh, sorry, on X, someone that posted um, LMFAO and there was a, uh, a transaction somebody was trying to do uh, on the Avalanche network, and the fee was $434. Max fee was $586. Um, and that's just wild. And again, this was a network that really, you know, touted low transaction fees. Um, and, you know, same with Ethereum, right? We're seeing some some fees spike on there. Solana, um, similar Cardano, uh, on Cardano, we're actually uh, seeing that it can take 10 to 15 minutes for a Cardano transaction to appear um, on the network. Uh, and consistently, I'm seeing kind of fees on these networks at like $60 or like hundreds of dollars. And it's and it's wild. And a lot of these transactions, like not a lot, but like some of them will fail. So you'll spend, you know, $200 for a transaction and it just won't go through. And it, it's kind of crazy um, to see that. And I think that, um, the issue is increased network activity as the network is used more. Um, the fees increase. It's like a little built-in mechanism to prevent, you know, network congestion. And it's very interesting because on the flip side, um, Hedera's fee structure is completely different and we haven't seen any increase in fees on Hedera, despite Hedera, you know, being used more than these other networks. Um, now, again, those those are Hedera consensus service transactions. Um, but when we look at, you know, smart contract transactions or different things like that, it's about the same as these other networks. Um, and the real lesson here right now is that for sure, you know, low fees are important 
right? But more important is what we're learning is fixed fees are important. And it's, and it's a, it's a really weird thing to talk about because, um, network fees fixed in us dollar for a crypto network is like a very foreign concept. It's not something that these other networks are able to, um, do right. And, and so you see layer twos and, and all sorts of different, um, side chains and different things crop up to fill gaps and, you know, I think that you wonder what the bull market is going to look like as these networks start to be used more and more. Um, and the frustration grows on X and different social media that you see about people saying, listen, I had three transactions fail and they cost me, you know, $200. Like it, it, it really kind of, that's the downside to it is, we can look at it. We can look at it one way and go, "Oh, well, that doesn't happen on Hedera. Hedera is so much better. This is good for Hedera." But there's another side to it too. That's like, well, I mean, you know, as we know, not enough people know about Hedera, and it's not helpful if the the narrative or if or if the takeaway of these networks is that they, you know, they don't work properly. Hedera will just be clumped into that. And it'll, it'll elongate the amount of time that, you know, discovery happens for Hedera. It's just, it's just not good. So it's like, it's a bummer to see those things. It is what it is. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes you go, well, geez, you know, Hedera is so well positioned. It's only a matter of time, but it, it, I look at it and I'm like, as, as someone in the web three space using crypto, you know, and I scroll through X and I'm like, you know, someone lost like $300 on failed transactions. I'm like, Jesus, that, that sucks. You know, it sucks. You know what? And, and you kind of think about what's that person going to do? Is that person going to go, oh, well, I'm going to look for a better network. Or are they going to go, I'm just going to quit crypto. This is stupid. Um, you know, right now there's probably a higher likelihood. They're just going to, you know, sign off for a bit, which is unfortunate. Um, and I think the key thing here too is like, you'll have a network where the fees will increase by like 2000%. But, um, you know, the argument will be, well, there's still, you know, it's tiny. There's still under a cent. And I, again, I don't think that the web, that the kind of the crypto space kind of has, um, kind of been able to reframe what a crypto network means yet. You know, when you, when you think about that, you go, um, you know, put yourself in the shoes of an enterprise that uses, let's say a web host like Amazon. Imagine if, you know, and again, even if those transactions are very, very, very tiny, um, they're doing a lot of them. And so imagine if you, you know, if Amazon called you up and was like, Hey, you know, we're increasing the cost of our network by 2000%. You'd be like, Oh my God, we have to find another network host. This is crazy. You know, it just doesn't happen, right? Credit card processors, you know, don't jack up their fees when the network is being used a lot. It scales. Yeah, business just can't operate with, with that kind of stuff. And yes, you know, the fees on some networks are still very low, right? They're still very affordable. But again, it's the ability to forecast what the costs are going to be, the the fixed nature of fees. Uh, Mance Harmon founder of Hedera put out a tweet, uh, a post and it was really fascinating because I mean, this guy doesn't post on, on social media a lot, 
But recently he's been posting and one of the things he said was on this, you know, really coming out in front of this and saying like, hey, you know, there's been problems in, you know, Web3 with these types of things. And, you know, he said that it's very important that um, a network's, that the, the, the transaction cost for a network should not, sh- should be unrelated to the price of that network's token. So basically saying, um, the price of a network's token going up or down should not have an effect on how much it costs to use the network. And it's a roundabout way of saying, you know, fees should be fixed, um, which they are on Hedera. So that's been really, really um, fascinating. And so it's like when we look at this, um, what we're starting to see is people kind of going to the next network. So people are, you know, complaining on social media about these high fees. So a lot of people right now are looking at Solana and Solana is, is managing to keep up with things as it stands right now. Albeit, you know, fees are fluctuating in a way that might deter an enterprise for the average user. It's not a huge deterrent. Like if you're paying for a swap and your, you know, your fees go from, you know, one cent to, you know, 20 cents, it's like, well, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's still cheap. You know, it's not like we're talking about, you know, a dollar or hundreds of dollars. It's, it's fantastic in comparison. Um, so we're going to see how things play out, but that's, that's really what I'm seeing a pattern is people are looking to, um, networks that are, you know, high visibility, right? They have a, they have a large mind share, a large market share of a big user base, um, and low fees. And right now, Hedera has those low fees, but it doesn't have that kind of massive footprint in Web3 yet. Um, But it's that fixed fee component that's going to be the real sticking point. Um, And, you know, I think you look even at Bitcoin too. Bitcoin continues to have this risk of like forking the network because of these BRC20 tokens and ordinals, right? The desire to have other fungible tokens besides Bitcoin on the Bitcoin network and have NFTs on the Bitcoin network, it's causing, you know, hundreds of thousands of transactions to get, you know, backed up. It's causing, you know, the mempool to grow to like over a gigabyte in size. So a lot of these um, Bitcoin um, maintainers and, 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 and uh, you know, originalists are kind of like, you can't have this stuff happening on the Bitcoin network. We can't, we can't be doing ordinals and BRC20 tokens. So it, there's, the again, also this struggle on the Bitcoin side, uh, uh, you know, for a, a non-EVM network, um, you know, and, and so that's also difficult to watch too. There's a lot of, with, with a bull market, there comes a lot of pressure, there comes a lot of conflict, there comes a lot of, you know, painful growth. Um, and the product of that is kind of seeing what's unfolding right now. So it's interesting, it's interesting to watch. Um, but in the big scheme of things, you know, what are some takeaways for us kind of in the Hedera ecosystem with everything going on? Um, and I mean, what it really boils down to is um, these pain points need to be experienced before people look for solutions, right? Um, you can't, you know, no matter how much you explain things for people or how much you spell it out to them, people are not going to use an alternative until they feel the pain, right? And that's what we're starting to see is people are starting to feel the pain on these networks, you know, speaking for myself, you know, doing a transaction that might cost a hundred dollars and having it fail is, uh, you know, a very negative experience and a, and a very discouraging experience. 
um, that's a very motivating thing to look for an alternative. Will the alternative be Hedera initially? Probably not. Um, most likely people will just work their way down the market cap list, right? What's the next biggest network that has low fees? And really what we're betting on is um, as people do that, um, you know, I think that those other networks may experience similar issues, right? Uh, we saw it last year with Solana with failed transactions and transaction cost spikes with Ethereum as well and all these different things. And and I think it's a large topic of conversation. It's very nuanced, but at the high level, it's, you know, that's really what it boils down to. Um, and the other aspect of this too, kind of a struggle for Hedera is the fact that it is really, you know, Hashgraph is a disruptive technology as we talk about. It's a threat or can be seen as a threat to these other networks, right? When we look at the issues with, you know, MEV and all these different inefficiencies, um, those are opportunities for generating profit, right? And when you take those away, um, when you take those inefficiencies away, of course, it unlocks um, things like, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, uh, enterprise use cases and mass adoption, all these different things, but it also removes um, a lot of how the web industry, the web three industry currently generates revenue. So it's a very, Hashgraph is a very disruptive technology. Um, so it's, that's a headwind that kind of works against it a little bit. And I think will ultimately um, cause hesitation um, just because it's a, you know, it can be seen as a threat by, uh, by many. Um, even if you, for example, were, were to look outside of crypto and Web3, if you were to look at, you know, again, like the New York Stock Exchange or the DTCC, um, you know, you look at that and you go, well, there's inefficiencies right there that Hedera solves. And maybe is there is that a reason why we don't see more adoption of Hedera and Hashgraph immediately in some of those other areas? Is it is it just technical uh, issues to work through or is there actual kind of resistance because it's a disruptive technology? Um, and then some other points here are like, you know, uh, it's really critical that as many people as possible have positive experiences using Hedera that can contrast their experience on other networks. And I think we look at different projects like what Saucer Swap has been doing um, with that awareness. And um, that's, I think, another major hurdle for this network is um, what what do people want to do, right? The, the people that we see complaining about these, these um, high fees on other networks, these failed transactions on other networks, these inconsistencies and inefficiencies on other networks, what are the things that they're trying to do, right? What are the problems that we have to solve for them? And largely, these people are, are retail users that are trying to do lending and DeFi and NFTs and all these different types of things. And on Hedera, there's still a few gaps to fill, right? We don't have, you know, lending, right? Um, we don't have a retail oracle. There are some things we don't have yet that could be a blocker to this, right? And could have retail kind of saying, you know, for sure, this is a network that solves a lot of problems, but I need to be able to do certain things on the network that just might not be available yet. So it's also important to remember that 
the technology is great for sure and much better and, and solves a lot of these problems. But it, what, what it really comes down to is what do the, what do these people want to do, right? What are they trying to do that they're struggling with and do, can they do those things on Hedera? And some of those things they just can't do yet. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and, uh, you know, just to wrap up thoughts on this is kind of like, it's also worth remembering that the last bull run that we experienced with Hedera, with HBAR going up to half a dollar, you know, there, there was no DeFi. There was no NFTs. There was no meme coins. There was no real, you know, retail infrastructure. There was nothing. And we still experienced, you know, um, an all-time high. So that's the other side to it is now we have a lot more. Um, so I think that that will serve us well, you know, in a, in an upcoming bull market. Um, saucer swap also did another post that I just wanted to read again. I, you know, shout out to saucer swap saucer swap is really important for the network right now, because as I said, something that a lot of these people are trying to do is decentralized finance, right? And saucer swap is really a great offering on the Hedera network for decentralized finance. And it's nice to see saucer swap come out in front of this, um, and there was a, uh, there was, a, and this kind of, you know, really um, highlights what I'm saying here is so there's a, there was a, uh, a person that posted on X that said, quote, I thought Avalanche had low gas fees. I'm dead. People are paying just about the same fee on Ethereum as they are on Avalanche. Solana is just the superior chain. And SaucerSwap reposts this and says, as market activity increases, it's evident that gas fees linked to network usage can turn away users. With network fees fixed in U.S. dollars and unaffected by usage levels, Hedera stands apart. Um, and so that's really what it comes down to is, you know, it's great to see these use cases kind of hitting those points. I think it's really important to a lot of people. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that. I wanted to hit it hard Um uh, Again, this being kind of the last show of 2023 for Hashgraph enthusiasts. Um, it's something important to keep in mind. Pain points, problems, what's going on with these other networks. Um, and, you know, how can, you know, this ecosystem uh, create an environment that will draw people in? Um, what do we need to do? Uh, some exciting news. Um we talk a lot on the show about these Bitcoin ETFs, right? These exchange traded funds that are very important. And they're important because um, big money, right? Family offices, institutions, um, you could think about potentially, um, uh, you know, employee, you know, retirement funds and like all these different types of things, um, unions, uh, lots of big money is looking for exposure to crypto, right? Namely Bitcoin. And the ways that they, the, the ways in which they can do that right now are pretty limited, right? And, and it really boils down to they'd have to, you know, purchase Bitcoin or have someone custody Bitcoin for them. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, fiduciary security considerations to be made there, a lot of barriers to entry. And I think it prevents a lot of big money from getting exposure to Bitcoin. So an exchange-traded fund uh, that are very popular and they come in all different shapes and sizes 
a Bitcoin exchange traded fund, a Bitcoin ETF would essentially allow someone to go to, um, you know, a stock market and purchase Bitcoin effectively, as simply as purchasing a stock. It would basically be the exact same as purchasing a stock. Um, and to get that into the market, there's been a lot of hurdles and a lot of things that have had to happen. And there's been a lot of blocks. And the main blocker of this has been the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission. And again, they're very confusing stances on what is a commodity, what is a security, what is allowed, what isn't allowed, what are the regulations, this and that. We just talked uh, kind of at the beginning of the show about Coinbase suing the SEC recently. And it's been all very confusing. And so this year we've talked quite a bit about what are the developments of these ETFs. And some of the stories we've talked about have shown an overall trend of progress. And it's looking highly likely that in January we will see some of these Bitcoin exchange-traded funds become available on stock exchanges, um, on these markets. And it will cause an inflow of liquidity and wealth into um, the crypto industry. And it's going to be a, a, a new level of legitimization for cryptocurrency for web three to the masses because it'll now become a thing they can reach out and touch they're not going to have to get a crypto wallet they're not going to have to um, purchase something that will uh, you know the, the the a third party will need to custody um, it'll be much much easier and a few things have kind of developed over this week which was number one the sec to consider Ethereum as a commodity rather than a security due to the SEC's recent approval of Ethereum futures exchange traded funds. And this was according to Bloomberg. Um, so the stance of these regulatory bodies are starting to kind of change a little bit. Although for sure, there's a lot of resistance. We are seeing some kind of positive traction. And I think it comes down to what Coinbase was saying, you know, 48 million, um, you know, people in America are using crypto. So um, it's just massive right now, and there's a huge demand for it. There's a lot of money to be made. Um, ARK Invest and 21 Shares, their spot Bitcoin ETFs, have officially been listed in the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, featuring the ticker ARKB. Um, and there's some other news we'll talk about about the uh, DTCC, but that's exciting. Um, and that's another big note: is it's not just one Bitcoin ETF that's going to be listed in these markets it's a bunch and it's highly likely that when one gets approved it won't just be one right it'll be a bunch um and there was a recent sec meeting either today or yesterday um, between blackrock nasdaq and the sec um and it was regarding these bitcoin etfs and blackrock um has been uh probably at the forefront of this conversation um, with their ETF proposal. And we talked about, um, you know, uh, the recent updates to Google's advertising policies for these types of things. Seeing Google update their advertising policies for advertising, um, you know, these types of financial products is encouraging. It shows that Google is anticipating um, you know, a lot more advertising to happen around this. And I'll play something for everybody. Um, this was probably one of the most exciting pieces of news out of this was um, Bitwise 
um, a company um, in uh, the, you know, the space that is going to be offering uh, a Bitcoin ETF uh, bitwise um, is, you know, running an ad. And this is an ad featuring, um, if people remember the, the Doiseke's commercials with, uh, you know, the most interesting man in the world, um, he's back and, and the, this is the ad that they got going on right now. You know what's interesting these days? Bitcoin. Look for Bitwise, my friends. And, and basically it's like, you know, the headline here is like, you know, Bitwise, Bitcoin ETFs backed by crypto specialists. Like this is an ad that people will see on television and, um, you know, if, and, and they'll be excited about this. This might be the first time that they purchase Bitcoin when they're, you know, and so it's these types of things that are all kind of coming together and leading to these kind of conclusions of, oh, okay, um, a lot of stuff is going to be changing. And um, they're, 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 you know, they're, you can look into it all sorts of different ways. We've talked about it quite a bit on the show, but those are the recent updates when it comes to the Bitcoin ETF stuff. And it's so important for us to keep that in mind. Um in the, you know, Hedera ecosystem in the Hedera community, because with, you know, a governing council of various enterprises and kind of that, you know, enterprise, you know, angle, this really fits in well with the narrative for Hedera. And if you have this liquidity pouring into the ecosystem, the types of people that would be purchasing, you know, a Bitcoin ETF are probably the types of people that might be curious about something like Hedera. And it, it'll be also be really interesting to see how Hedera leverages the narrative around these ETF listings. And I also, you know, see, um, you know, people, you know, joke about like, what about an HBAR ETF or something like that? And it's like, I think that could totally happen in years to come. Uh, but that's again, why this is so important that this, you know, we break the ice on this. Um, next story is just a quick one, but an, an important one is the first week of Hedera's new president, uh, Charles Atkins. And, you know, we talked about this news last week, very, very important. And, um, Charles is of course, you know, the new president of Hedera. We kind of knew it was coming over the last few months. Um, it was, you know, highlighted in the meeting minutes and, you know, his background, you know, in finance, in marketing, um, in Web3 um, has been, you know, I think received really well. And this first week, right, he was announced um, last week around this time. So it's really, you know, week one. And one thing that I've noticed is, I mean, his, you know, social media feed is is full of Hedera stuff right now. And... um. I think that a lot of change is happening in in the in how Hedera kind of prevent, pre presents itself and some of the top people at Hedera. I mean, we talked about um, some of the uh, the tweets um, from from Mance and uh, from Lehman and from other people at Hedera, really kind of coming out in front of some of these narratives, really being bold and to be frank, you know, it to me it kind of feels like. Charles as the president at Hedera is coming in, it's coming in hot and kind of being like, Hey guys, listen, you know, let's get a little snappy here. Like th there's, there's a new way of thinking about these things. There's a new way of, you know, looking at how we present our network. There's, 
um, a fascinating uh, way of looking at this and a different way of talking about it. And also, too, he's going to be at Davos in January. Um, and some of the, you know, some of the posts um, that I've seen is, you know, encouraging, like, you know, he, uh, he shared kind of like a meme that was, you know, there's a picture of an old telephone and a, you know, a Ford Model T and it's like hooking up and getting around hasn't always been easy. Of course, I'm talking about advancements of technology, get your mind out of the gutter. And it's like, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like dad joke type thing, but it's good to see, you know, a representative of, you know, Hedera, like actually doing something on social media and, and actually engaging, right? Which means like, you know, replying to people's tweets, doing things like that. And I know it sounds stupid, but those things are actually really important to have a figurehead at the, at the organization like that is engaged. Um, and in my own experience, you know, I posted last week to X and I was like, Hey, you know, I'd love to have Charles on the show. What does everyone think? And he kind of responded in like 10 minutes and he's like, Hey, I'm super busy, but it would be great. And so it just, it, I was, I've been hoping that, you know, we had a little bit of that, that, um, high level, low level connection. I, I talk about this a lot, this concept of, you know, the Hedera ecosystem kind of feeling like two separate worlds. One is kind of, you know, the, um, you know, the enterprise organization, you know, uh, foundation association governing council world. And the other is the kind of community degen retail NFT developer world. And they're kind of feel a little bit separate. And there's always been, you know, I think that a lot of criticisms and struggles have kind of been a product of that, like distance between the two and, the goal is to kind of move things a little closer together. And so Charles feels like a figurehead that can kind of do that task a little bit. And I feel like he's reaching across that gap um, to the other side. And something he said on a, on an interview on the gossip about gossip podcast with Zenobia at Hedera um, was, you know, really kind of hitting the nail on the head. He said, we've got a top down and a bottom up approach top-down approaches, you know, enterprise and, you know, high-level organizations utilizing the network. And then the bottom-up approach is, you know, the retail community, um, the NFT communities, the DeFi communities, the builders, the startups from the bottom up. And if we can work our way to the middle, mass adoption happens in the middle. And so um, I think that for a long time, the, you know, Hedera as an organization has had a kind of myopic view of really top down only. They really kind of have, a, you know, their actions have kind of expressed a outlook that every, all, that all success will emanate from enterprise adoption when in reality that's not true. And I think having somebody that understands that is really good. And I think Charles understands that you you need both. You really do. And there's a lot of opportunity. And so I think that what we're seeing from, you know, Nance's Twitter account and Lehman's Twitter account and Charles' Twitter account and a lot of these other people that feel so different in recent days um, is really kind of, you know, Charles going like, hey, guys, you know, there's there's opportunity here. Like if you load up, you know, if you load up X and kind of scroll through, you'll, you'll see, you know, people on other networks kind of having problems that, you know, we solve. 
And we should, you know, maybe talk about that. You know, we don't need to talk about HBAR. We don't need to talk about things that we can't talk about, but we, we can join the conversation. Um, and, and just to be blunt, you know, a lot of people are a big fan of, you know, the tweet that Mance put out yesterday in regards to, you know, the high fees and different stuff like that. It's like, I suspect that that tweet wouldn't have gone out if Charles wasn't president at Hedera. Um, to me, it kind of feels like Mance has given his uh, login to Charles and Charles is tweeting from Mance's account. That's literally what it feels like. Uh, but we'll have to see. But I'm just observing a very uh, sharp change in how the uh, key individuals at Hedera are acting right over the last couple of days. Um, it's very obvious. Um, even some of the things Christian Hasker is retweeting, it's very bold. It's very, I don't want to say out of character, but it, to me, it does feel like someone has kind of said, Hey guys, you know, like we have to kind of let some stuff go. We have to kind of like loosen up a little bit here. Um, that's just my observation. And it's, and it's my observation because he's been there a week and there, especially over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of stuff that has changed in how these folks present themselves. Um, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's something the community has been asking for. So more of that, more of that, please. Um, and this brings us into our next item. I just want to take a sip of, uh, my beverage here. keep forgetting I have those sounds. I have them to give myself a little bit of a moment, a little bit of a reset. I've been talking about a lot of dense stuff. I want to lighten it up a little bit. Hedera is in beast mode, guys, straight up. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm pumped up. I mean, I'm looking at the charts. We've got um, all sorts of green everywhere. Numbers are crazy. I want to go through some numbers, but I mean, I'm like, you know, I, as I've said on the show, um, we talk about substance and hype, right? And again, putting it plainly, you know, Hedera, Swirls, the foundation, the association, they've got this substance stuff covered. Clearly, uh, they do it better than anyone in the industry, period. Um, the hype stuff, that's the community's job. And I think that, you know, it's it, it it it's difficult for me to see someone on you know X post something like for example, um, here's why I think Hedera is going to go to two dollars or that H bar is going to go to two dollars, and literally like the first comment is like um let's get to ten cents first and then talk and it's like oh come on like just like if you look at these other networks and and want them to come over here, they got to come over to something fun. They got to come over to a good vibe. I know it, it sounds dumb, but like we got to shake that off a little bit. And I say that because if you have other networks making these bold, broad strokes, declarative statements, and they don't have the tech to back it up, and you look at Hedera, and Hedera has the tech to back it up, like, Hedera is the only ecosystem and only network that should be making, you know, big, bold, declarative statements, you know, and it's just, I, I you know, I think that it's time to just really embrace that hype, you know, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. Um, One million 
new Hedera NFTs were minted in the last 60 hours, which is crazy. Um, 250 million transactions in 24 hours. Nuts. Averaging 3,000 transactions per second. Bonkers. Three seconds average, uh, or just, just over three seconds average to finality, right? Meaning that a transaction being finished, recorded on the main net um, with 100% ABFT finality, three seconds, insanity. 10 times, 10x revenue growth year over year, super important. Total value locked at all-time high. The fees remain low and fixed, right? That's the key thing we're talking about here is like this network is growing like crazy and the usage of it is expanding like wild and the fees haven't gone up. That's really important. Uh, big partnerships, right? I mean, we can rattle them off, but I mean, we've talked about them on all the different episodes, but it's just safe to say like there's been so many major headlines and big partnerships and all sorts of different things happening in the ecosystem. And the technical analysis I'm seeing on HBAR, I'm seeing a lot of people that do technical analysis on HBAR. I think that Credible Crypto is going to be publishing a video uh, later today or tomorrow or something. But really, like when you zoom out on HBAR, the asset, um, it's at this critical moment here, this kind of golden cross where some of these moving averages, some of these different indicators like the MACD are showing a little bit, uh, or not a little bit, but like kind of like a major inflection point that we're in that is causing a lot of people to say, oh, is HBAR going to go parabolic or is there going to be some kind of like crazy correction or are we going to keep, you know, consolidating and building? And so there, it, it, like despite what you think will happen with HBAR, the attention on the asset itself from a technical analysis standpoint is increasing. Eyeballs are growing on HBAR. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, we, we are starting to see and we'll be, we will hopefully continue to see increased volume in the asset. So there's so many different things when you just look at the different numbers and kind of what's been happening. And, it, it, you know, even even other things that were shared, like developer activity, the amount of I think Hedera is number two uh, when it comes to L, developer activity under on L1s. Um, it's it's just it, it's crazy. Um, it's the definition of you know, an undervalued asset, in my opinion. And um, I think that it's just very interesting where we're at, where we have a situation that value on the network is growing at an exponential rate and the price remains under 10 cents, right? Is relatively, um, is not experiencing a massive amount of volatility. Um that's consolidation, right? That's, you know, exciting opportunity. It's very interesting. And there's no there's no two ways around it. You have to really just kind of call a spade a spade. And um, I think that that's what a lot of people are feeling, what a lot of people are noticing. And that's what I'm seeing in social media as I scroll through is a lot of additional eyeballs on Hedera as an asset. Um, and, and, you know, it's very interesting to see that. Um, and I say it's in beast mode because you know, it does feel like all cylinders are firing. Now it is, you know, it's important to mention that there definitely are other networks from a price standpoint that are experiencing, you know, a lot, a, a very um, intense 
uh, ride up, right? A, a very like large appreciation. Um, and, you know, I think that it's, you know, when it comes down to it, people are drawn to big green candles, right? That's just what it comes down to. And we're also, you know, as we said, we're seeing a lot of different pain points being experienced. We're seeing fees go up. We're seeing failed transactions. So it's a very interesting time right now to be in the Hedera ecosystem. There's a lot of, um, there, there, there maybe is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of overwhelm. There's a lot of, um, new people. There's a lot of, um, conflicting ideas. There's a lot of, um, challenges, but that just kind of, to me is like just an energy that we just haven't had right in this bear market that I don't think a lot of networks have had in this bear market. So that's what it really boils down to to me is there's a lot of energy and it's growing. Um, and like any asset, it's like, you can't, like, you can't really predict what's going to happen with it. But the one thing that we can observe is, is just on all fronts, right? When it comes to price, when it comes to activity on the network, the fundamentals, um, and partnerships and different things, there's just a lot of energy. Um, and as that energy grows, it's just going to build, right? There, like, there's no, there, there's nowhere for it to go. Um, and it's going to be very exciting to see what the product of that is. Um, so this brings us kind of into another area, which is like these breadcrumbs when it comes to gaming on Hedera and gaming on Hedera has been really interesting. Um, it's been shared many times by many analysts, you know, especially over the last year or two that, you know, the growth of gaming in crypto, um, in certain ways has exceeded the growth of things like DeFi. Like gaming is definitely a very exciting vertical for web three. Um, and we've seen a lot of major games, you know, incorporating crypto. There are rumors that, you know, Grand Theft Auto six is going to incorporate crypto in some way. So, there are many exciting things happening, but from a from a strictly Hedera purview, right? We've seen a lot of different gaming use cases go live, and I, you could argue too, like when you look at Karate Combat, uh, that had their forty uh, third Karate Combat, um, you know, uh, event in Las Vegas on Friday and stuff, and it's you know you could argue that's gaming as well, you know, betting on fights and different things like that. So there's a lot of exciting things happening, and we're going to go back to something we, we, we kind of mentioned on the show just a, just a, you know, a minute ago, which was these million NFTs that were minted over 60 hours. And we're kind of trying to figure out what that is. And some of the conversations that I've been in um, point to a potential um, use case involving the doctor who intellectual property. Now we don't know for sure if that's what it is, um, but there is kind of this, you know, online, you know, digital, uh, kind of like card trading collectible game type thing. Um, so you could imagine, you know, a million, you know, of those items, right. Of those cards, you know, might, would be enough for a sizable user base. And the other thing too, is, um, uh, uh an update shared from Zepsi, uh, and I'll just read it here. Quote, the most bullish HBAR ecosystem announcement this week that everyone missed. Gaming on Hedera is en route to Valhalla. Spielworks acquires Atomic Hub with the Hashgraph Association, uh, meaning Hedera integration into 
a top Web3 gaming ecosystem, a top NFT marketplace, a top gaming wallet, first multi-chain wallet, first multi-chain NFT marketplace. So what is that all about? Like what, like what is Spiel Gaming? Like what's going on there? So Spielworks uh, funding acquisition. So basically uh, Spielworks received strategic funding from the Hashgraph Association and acquired Atomic Hub, which is a leading NFT platform. And they're aiming to develop a Web3 gaming ecosystem globally, leveraging Hedera's public ledger technology and the Hashgraph Association will assist Spielworks in various areas like business development, technology, and futures funding. And the CEO of Spielworks, uh, Adrian, said, uh, you know, that you know, he highlights the partnership's potential to bring high-profile partners and scalable technology. And uh, this emphasizes true ownership of digital assets, right? This kind of quote-unquote um, owner economy that the HBAR Foundation was talking about, um, secure token handling. Um, and these reliable blockchain gaming interactions. I think that there's been a lot of games that have tried to integrate Web3, and I think it's just largely fallen flat because of the underlying infrastructure. So it'll be very interesting to see like what is going to be the first large-scale gaming use case on Hedera. And when I say large-scale, I mean kind of like, you know, what's the AAA game or, or something like that, you know? So that was a really big kind of story um and there's a there's a press release in uh, the korea times um the korea it times um that i'll link at it's brandond.com slash hbar in the show notes uh definitely go and read it but yeah i think that you know and then going back to all these nfts that have been minted on the hedera network possibly being linked to a gaming use case specifically you know the doctor who intellectual property it's very, very interesting stuff. Um, and, you know, a million NFTs. You know, it's a lot of NFTs. So um, we'll just have to see. Um, it's, it's, one, it's, it's a common theme of like, you know, you look at the network, you see what's happening. Um, it's clear that, you know, there's stuff happening, but you, you have to kind of wait to see what it looks like in production. Um, we already talked quite a bit about this, um, but I just wanted to touch on this um, next story, just kind of like the Hedera token service crypto market. Um, this is really interesting. I mean, a lot of people have seen today, you know, there's like a, a, a pump happening on, there's a meme token in the Hedera community ecosystem called Grelf. Um, and it's, you know, super fun. It's a fun project. I dig it. There's a bunch of other coins um, that are these kind of meme coins and stuff. It grabs eyeballs. It's fun. It's kind of what we talk about, right? When we look at um, other networks experiencing issues and people complaining and wondering, you know, are these people going to come to Hedera and check these things out? Um, you know, one of the things people like to do is they like to, you know, buy and sell and trade these meme coins. It's a part of Web3 culture, crypto culture. It's um, something that generates wealth. It's very risky. A lot of people equate it to gambling, but it's just something that a lot of people do. Um, and having these assets, when we talk about marketing the network, um, one of the most effective ways for a crypto network to market itself is kind of have some of these things, some of these um, eye-catching, fun, uh, attention-grabbing assets. And um, it's very interesting to see that unfold and then also too there's all sorts of other tokens right like we talk about dovu we talk about 
um, you know, Galaxy. We talk about Saucer Swap. We talk about um, Head Starter. Like, there's so many of these other tokens for different projects and stuff that maybe have a utility or um, maybe equate to or relate to a startup company or um, something bringing utility to the network or different things. And, and so there's also that other side to it, which is kind of like, you know, um, this this little insular market that Hedera has with these tokens. It, you have to remember how special that is. On other networks, um, all of those kind of other tokens on, let's say, Ethereum or Solana or, or what have you, um, they're not tokens that are on the protocol layer, right? They're wrapped inside of these smart contracts. Um, these tokens on Hedera are right on the protocol layer. They act and behave the same as HBARB, and they don't require a smart contract. So it's very interesting. It's a whole new dynamic. And when we talk about experiences that people have on other networks and then experiences they might have on Hedera, um, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, they go to a DEX on Hedera like Saucer Swap and they go and perform a swap. It costs them a very small amount of money, right? And it happens in about eight seconds. And you just think about the impression that that might leave on somebody. Um, and, you know, arguably like the dopamine rush, like you think about going to a DEX on another network and you go to do a swap, it may cost, um, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred dollars, whatever it may be. It could take, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. You have MEV attacks happening and arguably for sure, there's a ton of liquidity there. There's a lot of opportunity to make money, but the user experience um, has challenges, right? And so it's that kind of trade-off. It's that kind of contrast. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens when that key individual or key group goes, you know, you got to try DeFi on Hedera. You won't believe what's going on over here. You got to just try this. Um, and there's a great kind of concept, which is like, um, it's not very efficient to try and get your get a million users, right? Um, a, a great example of this is, you know, people are familiar with Airbnb. And they had a failing strategy initially, which was they were trying to scale the business, right? They were trying to get 100 or, you know, they're trying to get a million users uh, of their platform. And that's a really difficult thing to do, especially if you're doing something really new, right? In Airbnb's case, they're renting out properties. And so... When they changed their strategy instead to focusing on getting a hundred new users that loved their product so much that they would have to tell other people about it, the million users just happens naturally, right? So when we look at the Hedera ecosystem in Web3 and maybe doing certain things that don't scale initially, um, you really think about that. You go like, okay, so these hundred people that are on social media are really frustrated about um, you know, these things happening on other networks, these, you know, subpar user experiences. Um, imagine if, you know, those hundred people or maybe even 50 or maybe even a dozen people were to just really just experience um, a swap on a DEX on Hedera. What impact would that have? 
would it be a light bulb moment? Would they go, oh my God, like there's huge opportunity here. Um, that's what's really fascinating to me, right? It's not, to me, it's not so much about how do we get a million users on Hedera. I think people talk about that a lot. To me, it's kind of like, you know, a, a dozen or a hundred people that like love it and have a fantastic experience. That's just network effects, right? That's just contagious. So I think that one of the great marketing tools that we have for this network right now are, you know, this, this, you know, burgeoning DeFi ecosystem. We have these meme coins that we have. They, you know, like I said, people really get excited about, um, you know, green candles, prices increasing it. It, 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 there's no way around it. People like to gamble and it gets exposure for the network and they will have a positive experience with the network, right? Who cares about how someone arrives on having a positive experience. Once they do, they're going to explore the network more. They're going to learn more about it. You're generally, you're going to learn more about something that you're excited about versus being told about why it's better than the network you're currently on. So I'm very excited about that. And I know that, you know, people on the Hedera subreddit and a lot of people in the Hedera community, like, you know, either don't understand or appreciate meme coins or some of these different, you know, call them the like degen activities that happen. But, you know, I, I get that this is an enterprise network and I understand that, you know, enterprise is definitely going to drive mass adoption. But the reality is, is that um, as HBAR gets listed on more exchanges, as the price of HBAR goes up, as the amount of users um, using the network increases, um, it helps enterprises. It helps the governing council. Um, and, you know, I think that it's just something to really keep in mind. And it's like, if you, even if you don't understand it or don't participate in it, like it would, it would, it would definitely be to a detriment of the ecosystem's growth to like, you know, shoot down meme coins on Hedera. Like they're going to damage the network somehow. It's, it's just, it's not true. And we, and we need stuff like that, you know, and myself, it's like, I'm not a huge gambler. I don't, you know, participate as a kind of like a full degen with this kind of stuff. It's not, you know, it doesn't fit within my risk profile sometimes, but like you just can't be a party pooper, right? Especially going into bull market. You just can't be that way. Um, it's just not, a, it's just not going to attract new users. Um, we are in web three, right? We are in the crypto industry. Like these things are not the exception. They're, they're just the, the given, right? It's just what happens. So you got to embrace it. You got to embrace it. It's hype. Um, yeah, and I want to talk about uh, another story. I'm just going to take another sip of my, uh, my bevy here. Um, I think a lot of people have seen the news recently. Wallet Connect um, is coming to the network in a big way. Um, I just want to share a few thoughts on it. And I mean, disclaimer, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm working with uh, HGraph on the initiative for, you know, the community engagement side of things, helping wallets come together on these things. Um, and, you know, kind of like um, helping push this initiative forward. It's been a lot of work. Um, but I just wanted to, I think a lot of people had a lot of questions. A lot of people have been asking me about it. I, you know, on the show, I try not to, you know, talk about things that I, you know, I'm a part of. I don't want it to come across as though um, I'm trying to draw attention to like, 
you know, projects I'm working on or whatever. But um, just because people have been asking a lot about it, I just want to share just a, you know, a few quick thoughts on it. Um, so uh, mo- like I'd encourage anyone to go out. There's a great um, article um, on the Hedera blog, right? Hedera.com slash blog, go and read it. They tweeted it. Um, it has a lot of great info about it, but basically um, uh, in the Hedera ecosystem, how wallets function, uh, they all have their own respective integrations. Um, many of those wallets offer integrations that are open source that, you know, any wallet could use. Um, many choose to offer their own integrations. And so what it leads to is a bit of fragmentation and you can see it, right? When you go to connect to adapt, um, you get presented with a bunch of different buttons, right? Connect to this wallet, connect to that wallet. And it means that a DAP, right? A decentralized application like a DAX or an NFT marketplace, they have to manage, um, a bunch of different wallet connections, right? A bunch of these different separate pathways for each of these wallets. And the wallets themselves have to kind of, you know, they're required to manage, you know, a, a, a good stack of infrastructure. Um, it, it's a bit of a burden. It can take a DAP, you know, days or a month or so to integrate a new wallet. Um, most of these DAPs in the ecosystem will work with one or two wallets. Um, and it's kind of limiting, right? Um, and the reality is, is that like many things in Web3 or just in the real world, you have to have standards uh, for innovation, for good competition. You know, you have to, you know, competition drives that innovation, but you can't, you can't have competition without standards. Um, and so the way things currently are, um, it's just not an ideal, you know, space for, you know, dApps and wallets to have to kind of manage all this kind of stuff. It's a big burden for those. And then for users, um, you know, it really limits, you know, what you can do. Like if you use one wallet that doesn't work with different dApps and you, you know, you, it, it's just, it, it, it forces difficult decisions. Um, and, and, and so what's important also on top of that is it limits the ways in which other wallets um, on other networks could interface with Hedera dApps, right? Imagine if you were using a Solana wallet and you wanted to use, um, uh, a DEX on Hedera. Well, you'd have to get a Hedera wallet and it just creates a barrier to entry. What if you could just use the wallet you have? So new pathways had to be built. And so there's a company called Wallet Connect. It's, uh, you know, they've been around since 2018 and basically they have this, you know, open standard and, and, uh, protocol for connecting wallets. You know, it's called Wallet Connect and it's adopted across all sorts of different ecosystems. And, What's important is that there's a shared standard, right? And um, what what this was about was it was about bringing together wallet providers and getting them all together and coming to consensus on how you would send these messages back and forth, how you would deal with these transactions. Because that's all this is, is everyone's going to be using different tools right? Everyone's going to be using different wallets. Everyone's going to be using different dApps. But if we agree on how information is sent back and forth, then it means that everything opens up, 
It means that any wallet can work with any DAP. And so if, if one, you know, application on Hedera chooses to integrate with a wallet, well then that integration will work with any other wallet um, because it's on a shared standard. Um, and it, that requires wallets coming to consensus and making those, making that decision and agreeing with each other and, and performing a vote. And so that's what the news is, is that all of the wallets on Hedera have performed a vote and come to consensus and agreed on what those transactions are going to look like through Wallet Connect. And so going forward, the goal is to go to one button, right? Just connect your wallet. Doesn't matter what wallet it is. Um, and it doesn't matter what integration that DAP is using. Just you connect your wallet and you can perform those transactions you need to perform. And it's done in a secure way. And furthermore, it's an integrate. It's a shared ecosystem integration and standard that's owned by the community, right? So it's an open source set of tooling that can be changed, modified in the future by the community collectively, um, with governance built in. So that's really the big news: is um, those decisions have been made, the foundations have been put in place, and the group is. Um, basically assembling those developer resources. So any developer can integrate this new protocol and all of those wallets can upgrade their existing protocols to be a shared standard because um, the, the, the future that we want for the Hedera ecosystem is a future where any wallet works with any DAP, right? And when we think about a bull market, when we think about scaling, when we think about growth, that's really such an important thing to have, right? Everyone's speaking the same language. Um, and it's, and it, you know, it's, it's weird to have an ecosystem where, you know, you can only use a particular wallet with a particular DAP. Um, you know, it, it just kind of limits what you can do. And it's, a, again, it's a burden on DAPs and, and wallets. Um, so this is a real, I think that this is a really big news story. I'm really excited about it. Um, and, you know, I was a part of it, but I think that really, the, what the community should take away from it is um, community initiatives are really important, right? What, what this is about is competing companies, right? Competing wallets coming together and working with each other and agreeing with each other and moving forward with a shared standard. That's pretty incredible. Um, and I hope that those types of things happen in the future. I hope that people look at this project and kind of, you know, copy paste it for other things that that need to be done for the ecosystem um, it creates a better way to compete you know you want to be able to compete on features and exciting fun things and building on top of things versus um, you know what's possible and what's not possible um, so I just wanted to say like you know looking on the, you know being on the inside of that um, we've got an amazing wallet ecosystem um, and just in general, an amazing startup ecosystem. These are people that have survived a bear market. These are uh, people who are have been in the ecosystem for a long time, um, true community members, um, and really making a lot of business concessions, right? Making a lot of sacrifice to put the community first. That's really what this boils down to is working on a shared standard like this. Each of these wallets making big, big sacrifices to do that. Um, so, you know, I think that it's just worth mentioning that just wanted to highlight that. 
And yeah, Wallet Connect. Um, January is going to be, you know, months of, you know, these integrations going live and there's going to be developer resources coming out soon and a lot of cool stuff I'll probably mention on the show again. But um, yeah, I think that's really what it's all about. It's just, it's been amazing working with, working with wallets like that. Um, and I kind of been behind the scenes a little bit. I've been a, been a little busy. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, that's that. I love it. It's like a little bit, um, it's a bit of an Avengers moment. It's like seeing the Avengers come together. Next story um, is concerning the Masari 2024 crypto thesis report. Now, many in the Hedera ecosystem are, are familiar with Masari and their reports. The HBAR Foundation has, um, has Masari doing different reports for um, things happening in the Hedera ecosystem. Um, this, and Masari is like a very well-known analyst kind of like firm for crypto and their reports are, are very kind of respected. And so this is their big 2024 crypto thesis. It's a PDF. It's only available to people that pay for their services right now, but it will be made public um, in January for free. So keep an eye out for that. And remember this covers the whole uh, crypto industry. Um, and we don't know quite yet Sorry, I dropped something. We don't know quite yet um, how much regarding Hedera the crypto report covers, um, but I got a couple things here uh, to to kind of take a sneak peek at before they publish this. Um, so the Masari crypto thesis for 2024 as released by Ryan Selkis, the founder and CEO of Masari, touches on several critical predictions and insights for the crypto industry in the coming year. And so these are some of the key highlights for it. So crypto becoming political. The report stresses that the crypto industry will face significant political challenges in 2024. The influence of regulators, both in the U.S. and globally, will be a determining factor in the industry's functionality and success. Um, number two, uh, a focus on Bitcoin, stablecoins, and CBDCs. Um, worth noting, you know, Hedera has the stablecoin studio that we've talked about quite a bit that's huge. Um, and there are very strong CBDC use cases uh, being developed on Hedera, for example, you know, MTech. Um, so Bitcoin is expected to continue being a major player in the finance world. Despite the current disfavor of algorithmic stablecoins, their potential remains noteworthy. Retail-focused central bank digital currencies are also anticipated to gain attention, although their impact might be limited in the near term. Number three, central finance a centralized finance and crypto infrastructure. After a relatively quiet 2023, centralized finance services in the crypto space are expected to see more action, with many institutions showing renewed interest in entering the space. Um, so I think what they mean by a relatively quiet 2023, I don't know if it was a quiet 2023 for centralized finance. I think it was probably a crazy 2023 because, I don't know, people going to prison, uh, people going bankrupt, people going out of business. <laughs> you know, it's been, it's actually been quite the opposite, in my opinion, for centralized Web3 finance. <laughs> it's been probably one of the craziest years ever. So that's my own opinion. Um, number four, layer one competition. The report mentions Ethereum's significant updates in its future ver vision, but also emphasizes the importance of compatibility and interoperability in a multi blockchain world. Number five, DeFi's growth potential. 
the move towards a more regulated decentralized finance landscape is expected to mark the beginning of a long-term technological revolution or evolution similar to the financial sector's adaptation to the internet. So interesting point. Um, number six, the ownership economy. Um, again, this is kind of right in line with what was in the foundation at the H bar foundations, uh, 2023, kind of like a retrospective article, uh, despite mixed signals from the market prices and sentiment, consumer applications in crypto are booming, highlighting the, the importance of this sector. Um, number seven, advancements in peer to peer infrastructure. The report notes significant process in crypto wallets and decentralized autonomous organizations, right? DAOs. Governance, indicating pivotal point, uh, indicating a pivotal point in crypto adoption. So that's very interesting, right? Advancements in peer to peer infrastructure. So the Hedera governing council structure fits right into there. And they talk about DAOs. You could argue that Hedera is one of the first kind of high-profile DAOs in existence. So when you look at that 0.7, um, that's going to be very interesting. I think that you know there's a strong chance Hedera will be talked about in that section of the report. Number eight, innovations despite bear markets. The report cites examples like uh, their, their own products, Masari, and then different things like J.P. Morgan's Project Guardian, not to be confused with Project Guardian on Hedera, demonstrating that downturns in the market can still yield productive innovations. Um, this is a point that, uh, you know, Hedera talks about quite a bit. You know, they say, um, you know, the bear market's tough, you know, startups are struggling and there's a slowdown in NFTs and DeFi and this and that and investments and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there is that strong narrative, the fact that enterprise generally isn't that affected by downturns specific to the Web3 space. And there's been a ton of innovation that we've seen, as I talked about, in the Hedera ecosystem. So um, that's something that I think could kind of catch people off guard, right? I think in general, with the last bull run, you go into the bull run and you're like, okay, it's starting back up again. We're at ground zero. We're at the very bottom. We're going to work our way up. And this bull run is going to be very interesting because I don't think that's the case. I don't think this bull market, for sure, this bull market is going to start at the bottom in regards to, you know, amount of money in the space and uh, stuff like that. But to, to be frank, I mean, it's, pr it's pretty far along in regards to just enterprise adoption and stuff like that. Like it's, the, the the engines are firing on all cylinders in that regard. So it's going to be a very interesting bull market um, kind of seeing maybe people come in with the expectation of we're right at the beginning. Um, nothing's happening and I'm going to get right in at the, at the ground floor when in reality it's like, you know, it, it could be, a, it could be a very different story. It could unfold in an, in a new way, um, which is very, very interesting. Um, yeah, and so we're we're getting we're getting to the end here, folks. We're getting to the end. Ah, I just got to the end of my diet coke. Um, looking ahead, I want to take a minute to look ahead um, into the next year. Again, you know, this is the last show of the year. Um, taking a break. The next show would have been scheduled for the twenty seventh, but obviously, that's the holidays taking a break. Um, and I got a lot of work to do on the show. Like 
Um, this is a format of the show that, you know, uh, I've been doing for a long time. Um, I want to reshape the show a lot. I've got a lot of feedback about the show. Um, and also to the amount of news in the Hedera ecosystem has just grown so much. Um, and the show's grown a lot. The show has a lot of resources now and a lot of like new equipment and different things like that. Um, so I'm going to be changing the show, right? I'm going to be, ch- I'm going to be continually um, changing the format of the show to fit what people are looking for and what's most entertaining and useful and those different types of things. Um, I don't want to get stagnant. Um, and I mean, like I said, if you go back and listen to early episodes, like if you go back and listen to episode, you know, 80 or you go back and listen to episode 60 or 40 or 20, it's like you can kind of see how I continually change the format of the show. Um, so this is, you know, the, the, the end of an era for the show. Um, and it served it well. And I think that in the new year, it's just going to get a whole lot better with a whole lot of, uh, of new stuff. Um, one big thing that people want more of that I've been starting to do and seeing a lot of success with is, you know, short form content clips from the show. Um, also, you know, potentially video content. Um, but one thing remains true, you know, one thing that makes this show so special is just the live nature of it. Right. I love doing a live show. I think that when you do a pre-recorded show, it kind of changes how you do things. It doesn't really force you to kind of really analyze stuff the way that you present information. I like to be on my toes and it's kind of exciting too. When you listen to a show like this and you kind of know, you kind of know that something could go wrong any minute, you know, it's kind of exciting. Um, and there's new stuff coming for me next year. I've, I've got a lot of fun things I want to announce and stuff I want to dive into and all that kind of stuff. And clearly, um, there's a lot of new stuff coming from Hedera, uh, but just a huge thanks, um, you know, from me to everybody who listens to the show. Um, it's grown a lot, as I said, and, uh, the people that I work with in the ecosystem, the people who listen to the show and all that kind of stuff, just really grateful for all the support. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, 2024 is going to be a blast. Um, one thing just when we're looking ahead is there was a segment this week from the H bar bulls show, another show you should watch. Great one. Um, on Friday, uh, it's the segment called shark bites. It's with Rob Allen, who is a, um, governing council member at, uh, Australian payments plus. Um, and he shared some wacky numbers that I wanted to share with you just when it comes to the, uh, you know, carbon offset, uh, side of things. Um, and so I'll just quickly share, um, I guess I can just kind of play the clip for you here. I think that'd be, that'd be most useful. Um, so, uh, let's listen, let's listen to this. This is Rob Allen on, uh, the H bar bulls show on, uh, shark bites. For IREX in 2030 is said to be $70 billion, right? So $70 billion. It's about $19 billion now, up to $70 billion by 2030. So $70 billion market means an IREC, it represents a certificate for one megawatt hour uh, having been produced. And that certificate on the markets at the moment goes for between 30 and 70 cents, US cents. So quick calculation, $70 billion 
in 2030 at 70 cents. Let's assume it doesn't change, but it's a quality um, uh, token on Guardian. That's 100 billion tokens, right? So the, the target addressable market for this one use case in 2030 is 100 billion tokens. Now, if we assume that, that we get revenue, transactional revenue on the, um, on the Hedera network of one cent, and we talked about this the other day for Guardian tokens. It could be five cents. It depends on the number of transactions. But let's just, and I don't know anything about the policy that um, relates to this token. But let's assume that it's a whole bunch of Hedera consensus service uh, transactions and a token minting followed by a couple of token transactions. So let's say it's one, one cent full life cycle per token. So 100 billion times one cent. It's 100 billion or one cent. That's one billion. For one use case, Target addressable market on the Hedera network, $1 billion per year. And at, I don't know how many seconds a year, that 30, about 31 million seconds in a year, that equates to about 160,000 transactions a second. Right. So that's kind of wild. Um, I was watching that full episode, and yeah, it's like the, the math is uh, it's pretty wild. Pretty wild. And you think about that, and... You know, let's put that into perspective, right? Rob Allen is is someone who sits on the governing council, right? And he's on a YouTube show and he's talking about how, um, hey, you know, this EDF uh, use case could be 160,000 transactions per second. And furthermore, it's not a situation where the governing council says, Jesus, Rob, you can't go saying stuff like that. That's nuts. Um, they seem to be cool with that. So what does that mean, right? There's a lot to read into there. And I think that, you know, we often in the community kind of understand that, you know, yeah, like Hedera is going to see, you know, hundreds of thousands of transactions per second, you know, in, in the years or decades to come or whatever. But in 2023, having a governing council member kind of like say that and that to be okay to me it kind of feeds into what i talked about at the beginning of the show and kind of throughout the show is like something's changed in a really fun way i don't know how else to put it like mance is tweeting all sorts of things and we got governing council members talking about this and it's just it it, it I'm just noticing an, an air of confidence. Um, I noticed this too a little bit, like when I was in LA and I was, I, I met with, you know, Manson Lehman and stuff and, and was just chatting with them. And it's like, you get that sense a little bit. Um, there's, there's just kind of something going on there that you can't quite put your finger on. And I, I was, I was having a conversation with recently, I was on a call with someone in the ecosystem working on something and uh, they kind of shared this sentiment of like, it's it it's so weird because things and and again this conversation was about a couple of weeks ago but it's like it's weird because things can feel so desperate and so down and out in this in this kind of like bear market but you have all these kinds of bold confident statements coming from these key players in the Hedera ecosystem and I think the problem is is that we just don't have access to the information that they have access to. And it appears as though the information that they have access to is making them feel very confident about these things, right? Confident enough to 
be saying those types of things and making those types of posts that we talked about. So it's, it's just a very interesting time. And I've just made the observation that over the last week, uh, you know, the approach has changed and I think people are very excited about it. Um, so um, one last thing is there's been a breadcrumb that just kind of popped up on my radar almost just during the show, which was um, the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, the DTCC that we were talking about earlier, um, that acquired, um, you know, they, they've, they've acquired uh, Securency, which was a, that is a use case um, on Hedera that is doing a, an energy market. Um, so there's a great tweet from at parabolic H bar in the, eco, in the ecosystem, uh, also known as Sivo. Um, he says, uh, looking forward to seeing this partnership, uh, with, uh, Hedera unfold recently, the DTCC, which settles 2.5 quadrillion worth of securities acquired security now under, um, the D. TCC digital assets, um, which just revealed a joint venture with Hedera. So Securacy is a um, digital assets, um, you know, company. So it's basically like the digital version of DTCC. And that partnership uh, with the virtual power exchange is creating a kind of like, a, you know, a first of its kinds digital energy exchange platform. So, so it's very interesting to kind of see that kind of what's going on there. Um, it's not really clear kind of what that's going to equal out to, but you know, worth noting. Um, and uh, yeah, let's wrap things up. Let's uh, let's get going. This is uh, we're going to, we're going to land it here. Twenty twenty four. It's coming up. Um, I think that. You know, my final thoughts on this year and kind of wrapping up the show here is like, I think as a hash graph enthusiast, it no longer feels like we're working to try and like will something into existence, right? You think back to January this year when the network is at nine TPS and we had, you know, not really any DeFi or anything like that. It felt like we were trying to like will something into existence. Um, but it, now it feels like we're, we're working on something that exists, right? It's true. And it's very interesting. And I think that it's going to cause a big shift going into the next year. Um, and it feels like we're on really solid footing for the first time. And we should take advantage of it, like I said, with bold moves, um, with hype. You know, it appears as though other networks are not on very solid footing after making bold moves. So for better or for worse, you know, the strategy that Hedera has taken over this last year or so through this bear market has been successful, you know, uh, made it to the other side. Um, and I think it's kind of just worth kind of taking stock in. And I think, you know, looking forward into the new year, um, we're really going to have to kind of, let a lot of stuff go, kind of rethink things, um, get rid of some old patterns. Um, it's just going to be a different, different thing. Uh, and really, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm always kind of keeping in mind that 
the last bull run that Hedera had, we just really didn't have anything, right? And a lot of people will say, we don't, we still don't have everything we need, but we have way more than we had before. So I don't know. I think that it's really hard to summarize your thoughts going in, going into the new year. Um, yeah, I think that that's really just what it's about for me. It's about, it's about just kind of letting stuff go, you know, um, out with the old and with the new kind of thing. You know, we don't know what new is going to look like as we've learned, you know, looking at the retrospectives from the H bar foundation and different stuff like that. The key takeaways were kind of like, wasn't what we expected. You know, I don't think, uh, next year is going to be what we expect either. I really don't. Um, but one thing that we do know is that, uh, this network is seeing a ton of growth and it is in beast mode. And so the week continues um, a huge, huge shout out to everyone listening live on X spaces right now. I know this was a long one, but it's my last one for the year. So I had a lot to talk about. Um, and another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple podcasts and Spotify and YouTube, uh, and an extra shout out to all the supporters of the show. The contributions mean so much. Um, that's a wrap for the Hashgraph enthusiast news episode 106. All roads lead to Hedera broadcast live on spaces every Wednesday. Not next week, but continuing in the new year. Every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms the following day. So you'll catch this tomorrow. Um, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. The show's full Hedera addresses in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash HBAR. Um, and again, you know, another huge shout out. I mean, you know, H barbarian of the year, um, been able to do a lot of great work in the ecosystem. I mean, just super grateful to the community, uh, appreciate it. And I'm excited uh, for next year and I'll see you on the first Wednesday of the new year for the news. Um, I think it'll be a good, uh, it'll be a good year. And I'm digging this new theme music, by the way, I'm liking it. It feels good. Um, and I think that, you know, yeah, I want to do some video stuff. I want to do some more short form stuff. I think things are changing. It's just a lot of change. And who knows what it's going to look like. I think it'll be 10 times sooner, 10 times dumber, and 10 times bigger than we think. Take care, everybody. Listening to the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show, hosted by Brandon Davenport. Listen to past episodes and support the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Oh yeah, and happy holidays to everybody. Hope everyone has some time to kind of like take a breather, take a break. (laughs) 